our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hi, everyone. I'm off this week, but I'm excited to share three wonderful episodes from last year about dreams and hope and recovery and determination. I'll be back next week with more Chicken Soup for the Soul inspiration. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday today on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. I met a really fascinating guy a few weeks ago when I was in Chicago, or as they say out there, when I was in the Chicagoland area. And today, I want to introduce you to John Elliott, who wrote, an amazing, perplexing story for our 2016 book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels and Miracles. John, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. So John Elliott worked for the Special Operations Group, which is an adjunct to the U.S. Department of State, and he also worked for the CIA. Or I guess the Special Operations Group is an adjunct to the CIA, right, John? Uh, Yes, the kids connected. That's right. All right. And he also worked concurrently for the Israeli spy agency, Mossad, which we've all heard of. His first assignment took took him to the jungles of northern Laos in the late summer of 1966 as he targeted communist insurgents. And his career as a spy ended in a hotel room in Dubai in 2010 as he tracked down a Hamas terrorist. He also spent many of those years working in law enforcement, both in the United States and with Interpol in France. He's an on-air contributor for the BBC. Segments of his extraordinary life have appeared on various television shows, and I hear there might actually be a movie made from his autobiography, The August Assassin. He's written 22 books, He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in business. He has an MBA. He has a law degree. He's fluent in four languages and conversant in two more. He does a lot of public motivational speaking. He educates people about avoiding crime, and he conducts safety seminars. He's an advocate for our veterans. And amazingly, this man, John Elliott, wrote a story for Chicken Soup for the Soul, and it was such a privilege to publish his story in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels and Miracles. So, John, do you want us to tell us your story about your very first angel encounter that you had as a little boy? Yes, absolutely. My my father worked for Pan American uh, after the Second World War. And when I was a baby, we moved to uh, Brussels, Belgium. We lived there for six years. Uh, We lived in a place by the address of 24 Val de la Combe, and it was a dead-end cobblestone street under an ancient stone archway. The entrance to that, to Val de la Combe, was off of a four-lane roadway, which was very busy. 
under the shadows of the archway was a little sweet shop or a candy shop run by an elderly couple, um, and they sold vast varieties of candies from all over the world. I never was one for sitting still, so I was always looking for a, a way to get out and explore about. And uh, I would oftentimes walk to that sweet shop and uh, try to beg for some candy. And most of the times I got some, but it was sent home. This one time when I was five years old, I got out of the house. I think my mother was upstairs. Dad was at work. And I walked to the archway. But instead of going into the sweet shop, I wondered what lay beyond that roadway. Now, the roadway had very busy traffic and two uh, trolley tracks. So I thought, why not check out to see what was on the other side of the road? Instead of looking, I ran about halfway across the road, across the first set of tracks, but wasn't looking to my right and didn't see the trolley train coming. And as I was running, it and I ran into each other. Uh, I ran into the side of one of the one of the carriages. The force of the impact threw me backwards and back onto the first set of trolley tracks that I had already run across. Um, I felt as if my nose was broken. I knew I had blood coming out of my mouth and my nose, and I was sitting there looking up at another trolley train that was coming right at me on that first set of tracks. And I knew I was going to be hit. I looked at the driver's face, and he had a look of horror on his face. But just at that instant, right before the impact, what I can only describe as a strong pair of arms picked me up and held me firmly between the two sets of speeding trolleys. I, was, I wasn't really frightened at all, but I heard two words in my right ear, and the words were, be still. And it was repeated one more time, very calmly and reassuringly. The words were, be still. I heard cars screeching, brakes screeching in the, in the background. I heard a lady screaming. After the trolleys passed, I was carried to the sidewalk and uh, placed down in front of, of the door of the sweet shop. I looked at myself. There wasn't any more blood. The blood was gone. And I looked up to see the man, apparently a man, who had carried me, but there wasn't anybody there. As a matter of fact, if I, when I looked about, I didn't see anybody for about 100 feet or so around. I did see two ladies. They were running, and one had, their arm, had her arms outstretched, and the other one had her hand over her mouth. And they were, to say the least, they were shocked. I walked into the sweet shop. The little bell tinkled on the door. And I saw the gentleman, the elderly gentleman, who he and his wife ran the place, and he had his mouth covered by his hand as well. And he asked, call me, which is French for a how. And he came from behind the counter, took me by my hand, allowed me to fill a bag full of candy. He talked to his wife for just a moment and then walked me outside. And I looked up at him, and it was the first time in my life that I had ever seen a grown man crying. Um, his lips were quivering, and he was actually crying, um, looking all about uh, as if trying to find an answer. He walked me to my house at the end of the cobblestone road, and he and my mother had a long conversation. And my, I have to say that my movements were severely restricted after that. But throughout my life, throughout my life, I have heard those words more than once. Uh, that was the first time. 
And I only know for a fact that uh, whatever it was that picked me up was not human. I don't believe it was had to be an angel. And I wrote about that, and I was such so honored that uh, chicken soup picked me up. It was quite a so pleasurable to know that. Well, it was an honor for us to publish your story. So, do you have some additional examples of times when you felt that this guardian angel? protected you in some way? I could tell you about several other instances. I don't know that we have enough time. It would take a couple of hours. But uh, yes, uh, I have heard those same words from the same lips. It has to be the same person. And sometimes the urging was uh, was urgent. It It wasn't a gentle calm, be still. Other times it was demanding. And every time I paid attention, uh, it paid off in my life. Interesting. I think you're going to have to write another story for us for one of our Miracles books, and the title will be Be Still. And you can give us some of your additional examples of when this happened. I'd I'd love to do that. Good. See, now everybody's heard that. You're going to write us another story. And that will be an honor for us because you have so many books that you've published. You are a big deal author. Can you tell us about some of your recent books? Um, I think my favorite book is a book about my father. It's called Life According to Dad. And that's a collection of stories dating all the way back to Brussels, Belgium, the early, my earliest memories, up until my father passed away. And it was just the interactions with him. A lot of them are, are extremely funny stories. And if someone wanted an uplifting, enlightening book, that's the one they ought to buy, Life According to Dad. But there are other books out there as well. I mean, Don't Be a Victim is a book about how to stay safe uh, and avoid crime. Surviving Terrorism is another one, especially in today's world. But there are several. If you wanted a children's story, I would say The Bedtime Storyteller would be an excellent choice. Those are some of my favorite books, but there's lots of others as well. So you you write about so many different areas, and it's so interesting that you come from this world of working for intelligence agencies, but then you have this angel experience and experiences and this firm belief in angels. How do you reconcile that with that kind of hard-nosed, you know, intelligence work that you did for so long? Well, you know, deep down inside, I'm a pretty calm guy, I think. I think the reason that I was chosen to do the work that I did for the State Department initially and then for the government, uh, for the CIA, was because I don't get rattled too very very easily. And um, I love to write. That's my one passion in life, and it always has been. Ever since I was a boy, I was writing little stories. And uh, it's something I just, you know, it's, it actually is it's something of a curse. You're either thinking about it or you're doing it. So <laughs> sometimes you have sleepless nights with that. But uh, I don't know when you sleep, because I'm looking at this. You've You had that career in intelligence, but you've also written 22 books. You've got an MBA, and a law degree. You speak all these languages. You must be the most disciplined person in terms of getting things done. I mean, what is your strategy for sitting down and writing a book? Uh, Amy, to be perfectly forthright with you, I don't know that I have a strategy, but it's just uh, it's an urging that I feel. I can wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and, I, and it's just buzzing around in my head, and I cannot go back to sleep, so I have to go in front of the laptop. And uh, and then at five o'clock in the morning, I'm exhausted and I have to catch up on some sleep. But that's how it is. And I don't know that there's so much discipline as uh, 
as fun for me, actually. Um, writing, writing is just a, one of those outlets that I love. Well, I, I, I'm very impressed. I mean, I can't believe you have an MBA and a law degree and all of these other things behind you. How did you come to get an MBA and a law degree? I got my undergraduate degree at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona Beach, Florida, because I love airplanes, and I thought, gosh, I could be in, follow my father's footsteps and work for an organization like Pan American, but uh, that never happened. So um, I went to uh, I was I spent a lot of time in Scotland growing up, and uh, Harriet Watt University offered uh, this uh, master's degree program, MBA program. So I I enrolled. And uh, it took me a couple of years. I got the MBA, and then uh, uh, I did some. I was sent to do some work after 9/11 with the RCM, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in uh, Canada, and ended up taking some courses up there and finally got my law degree. Never intending to be a lawyer, so I never passed the bar. Never even tried, but uh, uh, it was good to get the law degree. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that helps me at all, but. Uh, at least I feel satisfied that I got a pretty good education. So what exactly did you do when you were in the intelligence community? Can you talk about anything or is it all very hush-hush? Initially, um, when I was 19, I got hired because uh, I used to go into shooting competitions and uh, went into a competition at Fort Belvoir. Uh, well, it started at Fort Belvoir, ended up at Langley. And um, so they hired me for that, and that's why I was sent over to uh, Southeast Asia when I was 19 the first time. But for the most part, it was intelligence gathering, and that kind of work, uh, If you, when you read the book, if you were to read the book, you'd think I was away all the time, but in, but in truth, it was maybe two to three weeks out of every year or a month, something like that. But uh, that's what I did. I Basically, uh, intelligence gathering. Um, uh, initially, in uh, Southeast Asia, it was called the Studies and Observation Group. It was part of the Military Assistance Command, and that uh, that ended up being the Special Operations Group as it is today. But uh, that's what I did. And what is this autobiography, The August Assassin, that might be made into a movie? Well, uh, it's with the scriptwriter right now. Actually, the book itself, The August Assassin, uh, has been rewritten with more chapters that I wasn't previously allowed to write about. And uh, the tentative title of it is Zephyr. I was given that nickname in Israel, Tazir, which is Hebrew for Zephyr, the life of a counterterrorist. And so that's the one they're making a movie out of. The scriptwriter uh, indicates that uh, well, he's been in touch with uh, Steven Spielberg and some others, and they are interested. So um, it's a work in progress right now. The book is finished, not published. It's with my literary agent in Nashville. Uh, so hopefully it'll come out uh, Oh, I guess mid-2018, mid I'm guessing. That is really exciting. And I'm going to have you come back on to talk about that. And, of course, you're going to write me another story about your guardian <laughs> angel, right? Because everybody heard you say you would. Uh, the next book coming out, let's see, we've got a book coming out in first quarter of 2018 called Miracles and More. So I think we got a spot for you, John, in that book. So we're going to wrap up now, and I really appreciate you coming on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. Now, if people want more information about you, should they go to your website, johnelliotbooks.com? Yes, that's okay. exactly right. And that's Elliot with two L's and two T's. Yes, that's the Scottish version. <laughs> well, my daughter married an Elliot 
with two L's and two T's, so I get that. Oh, we're probably related, Amy. <laughs> probably. He's from Massachusetts, and you're originally from Rhode Island. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for coming on, and thanks, everybody, for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. You can go to our website, chickensoup.com, to learn more about the book that John's story appeared in, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels and Miracles. The book's been out for a year now, but it's still a bestseller. You can find it at Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, your local independent bookstore in Canada at Chapters and Indigo Stores at Costco Canada. You can find it at Walmart, Rite Aid, Target, Kroger, Amazon, and wherever else books are sold. They're still flying off the shelves. We keep doing emergency reprints. And come back Monday for a couple more cool stories from that same Angels and Miracles book. We're going to talk about the strange but miraculous connection that many siblings have. You're going to find it pretty amazing. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.